Welcome to the Mojo Mecca. We are a media, wellness and artistry hub that is in celebration of the earth, inspired to live in a mindful, healthful way, humbled by the depths of inner exploration and the power of practicing daily rituals, in love with the beauty of cultures worldwide and the adventurous nature of travel, and dedicated to a life of heart-centeredness, purposeful pursuits, and a whole lot of mojo. In this conversation, I'm speaking to a really deeply inspiring woman by the name of Hannah Ruth Dyson, a deep feminine researcher and founder of the documentary project slash gathering slash not-for-profit organization Soul Seed Gathering and its sister project Women Change World. She is a woman whose life's work is to look deeply into history to discover stories from a woman's perspective rather than to accept the traditionally told tales from a masculine lens. As she explains, while sharing her own life story, she was never satisfied with this depiction and has always known there was more to explore. And so she's on a mission and purpose to compile research, traditions, practices and forgotten stories from the feminine perspective. This life's work of hers has been manifesting in the physical through an epic yearly gathering she holds called Soul Seed which is an all-women celebration and experience held in a different place each year where women are able to be immersed in the crafts, stories, rituals and energy of the women who live there. She invites local women to come and share their ways so that we may come to understand new lenses of living from a feminine perspective. Our conversation explores issues of cultural appropriation a lens of glorifying Indigenous people in more of a, a novelty sort of way and the right way to really marry appreciation and respect. We also explore some of the issues around the current not-for-profit model um, and how it can often lend itself to being a capitalist helping a victim mindset. Um, we speak about the importance of self-work around our own lineage and also our relationship to the masculine. We talk about the sacredness of weaving within Indigenous cultures and how poignant that practice can be for women. The deep wisdom that's transferred through simply by being with Indigenous women and women of power. Um, and simply listening and sitting and um, gleaming the profound subtleties of feminine wisdom rather than expecting more of a, a big cultural experience or a cultural performance. We talk about the bias or the limiting sort of nature that um, scientific uh, or archaeological research has um, taken as it's kind of been always done from more of a masculine perspective and it's kind of always limited or um, altered feminine stories to appear a bit more mythical rather than true um, yeah and there's so much more that we dive into she also shares about the epic new branch on the soul seed tree 
which is an online library slash database slash hub for all of this deep feminine research she's been doing for many, many years, which will be a combination of the, the studies, the stories, the practices, and also will feature um, different Indigenous women coming on there and um, sharing, you know, through a video or through sound, their their wisdom. So that is such a beautiful um, project, which I'm very deeply inspired to be a part of myself. Um, so that's coming out within the next month, and she shares about that. Um, yeah, I'll just stop here and let you get into the conversation. But um, yeah, I just want to say I'm so appreciative of the work that Hannah is doing and very deeply inspired by it, as I said. Um, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I spent most of my life growing up in Wales, which is um, a Celtic country. It's interesting because a lot of people across the world have noticed they all know like Ireland and Scotland, but maybe not so much Wales or that it's its own country. Um, but I definitely have been influenced by just this sort of, um, I guess, Celtic spirit here. Um, but I was originally born in Germany and then um, spent the first two years of my life in Paris. My mom had been living in Paris for, I think, just over 10 years. Um, so we always were kind of, I guess, more international. Um, a lot of people around here where I grew up, um, you know, are very much from here, have a whole sort of family line from here, but our family is a little bit more dispersed. But um, that was beautiful because I think at age four, I don't even know if you're allowed to do that these days, but like I would take a flight by myself to go and visit my grandparents in Germany. And we just have like an air hostess who'd come and like, um, like look after me on the flight. Um, but I just remember having like so much um, excitement and I think I built up a lot of confidence in traveling just from that, from that young age um, because it felt so good to just kind of get onto a flight and enter into a whole um, new world, um, which was in, in Germany. And um, yeah, I now like when I look back, my, I think all I ever wanted to do was really travel the world. I've always just wanted to know as much as possible um, about how people live or um, just how the world works. I've been always so curious, always um, asking why about everything. And um, I think at a young age as well, I, I was really looking for those examples out in the world of um, women I want, maybe wanted to follow in their footsteps or... Um, inspirations and it, it, it wasn't so easy to find in exactly sort of where my imagination was taking me I'd, I'd hear about different male explorers and I think that already started this kind of annoyance within me of like what where are the women what are what about the women and um I could see how powerful like the feminist movement has been but I was also already from a young age asking what about before like what um where have we come from and um, I'm not sure about uh, you, Chloe, in your like history classes, but I we just really learn about like kind of civilization and really the male masculine sort of perspective of history. And I didn't really hear anything about goddesses or witches or um, priestess traditions or all of these things that are becoming more popular today to talk about. But yeah, there's really, it was just, um, I think so many seeds were planted and so many questions that were unanswered just um, 
kept pushing me to want to travel and um, I was always pretty good in school so it it was kind of just this natural thing that you go to university even though um, I didn't know necessarily what I wanted to study or what I wanted to get into beyond just traveling and um, so I took a I took a year out before I went to university but and that really kind of I think awoke so much within me and I felt like wow I've only just scratched the surface um traveling the world I just wanted to know more about each place I was in and take longer um than maybe the more like just normal sort of backpacker route it just really um I kept wanting more and more and more it was kind of insatiable um but that kind of path as well of like how to make a living and how to figure that out was never super clear and um I kind of chose to study business just I think because I felt maybe I'll learn some skills that will give me some freedom um, to kind of do whatever I want I think that was always my my aim is just to be as free as possible and so I ended up going to the London School of Economics and that was like a really interesting really interesting time because it was right at the 2008 economic crash and there was um, I was studying like economics within that sort of context and then um, each day kind of going past the Occupy uh, London movement and feeling kind of um, caught between both those worlds and just um, yeah I and I and I had a really difficult time in my degree I just wasn't really finding the love for what I was doing so I, I was able to kind of open it up and study as many different like subjects within um, within the university as as possible so I got to dip my foot into anthropology and psychology and women's studies and international development and again it just kind of brought so many questions up for me because um, that also felt like there were sort of things missing or um, I'd been able to during my um, studies take a trip to China and this is because my dad was doing some work there and so I spent a few months with him meeting a lot of the people he was working with there and then I went um, for like a month by myself all through sort of the Tibetan regions and also just um, a lot of rural China and um, suddenly I was in anthropology of China at university and the way they were talking about um, the people just felt so different to my experience and it also felt very much like this sort of um, this white western sort of um more male viewpoint and it kind of really annoyed me and I remember getting always in sort of heated discussions because I was like the only non-anthropology student studying it and everyone else kind of was in that sort of field of awareness of just the language that you use and the way you perceive things and the way you look at things and it felt um it felt really lacking for me and I it, it again it just opened up a whole world of questions um yeah from there i studied um well i went to go and um work for a documentary company and it was all in research and i i just kind of i think grew up in this quite academic sort of politically minded family and it was always this idea of like the most important thing is to be well informed and suddenly i had a job where i feel i became too well informed i was like my job was day in and day out to watch and record and edit and make notes on all the most like horrific things throughout history and across the world and I um, saw that there was so much more than 
you can like you get shown in the news and I I just I became overwhelmed I was like crying every day um but I love that work it felt like a way to really reach people and communicate through documentary and through research um but I I just couldn't handle that job I was like the point where I knew I couldn't stay was when my manager was like um you need to figure out how to stop crying because you just kind of have to get on with that but I had just been like transcribing like torture trials in Chile and I was like there's no way I can stay in this job because if I ever stop crying then I feel like something will be shut off and at the time I was like um totally partying and going out a lot and I had I was having a really good time otherwise in London but um it kind of brought me into a rock bottom where I gratefully kind of discovered um more yoga and meditation and kind of brought me on that kind of spiritual path um because my background like as a family we've always been into um, nature and into kind of um culture and um and so on but never really religious or, or um i don't know using any terminology around spirituality so it was all kind of a new world entering into that um into that space but it was so um beautiful and so I'm grateful today to kind of marry all those fields because I think um, a lot is shifting and changing but we really all need those tools of self-awareness and um, to kind of go out in the world and be engaged in like activism or creating change or um, or just even in the academic field like researching and so on like I think we need to really show up with a certain level of self-awareness first otherwise we sort of bring our own sort of baggage and ancestral sort of weight and um, bias and sort of prejudice. And I think this is a big part of my work today as well, to speak about that, what that looks like to kind of make a bridge between these worlds. Um, because I can also see how in spirituality, we can have our own little world where we experience so much of the beauty and the enlightenment and the empowerment, but then it kind of, um, can be a bit disorientating when you're trying to integrate back into life or back into all spheres of um, of reality of our everyday sort of society and, and world. So, yeah, um, that's kind of a few of the pieces that have kind of propelled me forward. And um, yeah, I was always always also just traveling, just drawn to to meeting people and realized that language doesn't always have to be the barrier we can just sit with people and learn so much um through just different ways of life and i think that is also a skill that's just been um brought with me into what i do do today is just really interested in in meeting people and and being present to different ways of seeing and perceiving and um being in the world and yeah um yeah <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful to to hear all of that journey. I was just like following along for the for the ride. Sorry, my mind. Um, yeah, I would love to hear about. I guess the yeah the next the next point and how those yeah after leaving obviously you must have left that um, company um, eventually and then um, how did the first kind of uh, ideas for your own project develop and then and then how did it come to be known as soul seed or um, was it named something else before I'm really interested in like the origins and the also like how 
the name of something is created too and the meanings of like um, projects. So yeah, mm. if you could speak to that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I felt honestly very lost at the time when I left that job. And I also tried quite a few different roles within film when I was in London, but I got quickly burnt out and I had, I was definitely playing both sides of still kind of partying and going to a lot of festivals and um, in that world. And then also really going really deep with um, yoga and, and, and so on. And um, I, I went and I, I found a teacher training. It was like a um, very traditional school, Shivananda. Um, and so I went and joined an ashram for a month. And that was, that was amazing because just to have that whole month of self inquiry was really powerful I think a lot of um kind of seeds were planted then as well I had a lot of questions also within my um sort of Vedic uh yogic studies because it also felt still quite masculine and um that was also something earlier on even though I didn't go to a Christian school it was just very much part of our um everyday in schooling it was just um the Christian faith, but through this quite narrow lens, I think of Christianity where um, the only references of women were always just Mary or Eve um, or Mary or um, Magdalene or um, the Virgin Mary. And I, I think I also just as a young girl was just kind of annoyed by just having um, not a spiritual female figure that I could relate to. So I was on that search for sure already, but yeah, I found my way to Canada. I really wanted to go and experience living somewhere else. And I had some friends who'd already moved to Vancouver and I just felt drawn to that place um, because the city in the mountains and the ocean felt like um, maybe it was a place for me. And when I arrived, I, um, I think the first yoga class I went to was um, now my like, really good um, friend and teacher, Tina James. Um, and it was just the most powerful class I had ever been to her, her form of her style of teaching. It just feels very like real and powerful and just, um, yeah, really incredible. And I pretty quickly went to go and, um, st stay with her and study with her in Whistler, um, just outside of Vancouver. And she's, um, an amazing woman and she has developed a really like long-term relationships with the first peoples of um out on monk curry and it was just that was really the first um real like awakening into sort of more indigenous perspective because in europe it's not so obvious it's far more like um layered um and, and sort of mixed in within our society but you have um all over the world still yeah you know most distinct um tribes of people and and indigenous groups and yeah, that was a whole um, beautiful awakening. It felt like for me, spirituality through nature just made so much sense. And I, um, yeah, I fell totally in love and spent a lot of time um, learning with them and um, learning through Tina as well, um, the work that she does there. And um, I think about six months into my time in Canada, I got invited up to the international indigenous gathering in Lillooet and that um was beautiful we traveled like seven hours into like the interior of British Columbia and 
um, beautiful. It was just all these different um, indigenous tribes and groups. And I was kind of a little bit um, maybe naive and a little bit um, starry-eyed, like, wow, all these shamans and medicine people. And um, On the one hand, it was so beautiful. And then on the other hand, there was a lot of um, ego and a lot of... Um, uh, I had a few really disappointing experiences, like um, three like um, male indigenous leaders, one after the other had like, I had some strange sort of interaction that was kind of sexual and um, felt like really strange. And I kind of, kind of burst my bubble because I was like, so just kind of maybe romanticizing and idealizing all of indigenous people. And um I felt, I remember feeling pretty um, disheartened and um, but it was through those experiences that I suddenly um, looked a little bit further and wider and started to notice um, medicine women and, and female women shamans and um, noticing that maybe they were a little bit more in the background, a little bit more discreet. Um, but when I went and sat by um, some of these women, I just felt this like power and this surge of um, yeah, this strength and this um, beauty. And I just, I think that was really the moment I was like, wow, the women, I, I need to be um, just connecting with these women. I want to, these are the sort of people I want to um, learn from. And um, there are a lot of beautiful, beautiful male indigenous leaders, but for whatever reason, um, my path has just been like connecting to the women and just noticing how they can still be easily ignored and um and yeah not not seen it's it's maybe like confusing because we have such a conditioning about what power looks like and what leadership looks like we think it's the person kind of up on stage or um the person kind of drawing a lot of attention to them but these women were just um that i've been fortunate to meet were just kind of cultivating this really um really deep um, power and, and wisdom that I was like, wow, totally um, in awe of. And at the same time, when I arrived in Canada, I was also just meeting a lot of women talking about, you know, goddesses and um, connecting like our blood cycle, uh, bleeding cycle to the moon cycles. And this was totally new for me. I was like, to like it was an awakening in itself. I um, was healing my own sort of, um connection to my cycle and then just this celebration of femininity and um, divine feminine was just um so exciting and i again my questioning mind was always like okay what is um where where is this from what are the what are the roots of these traditions where like what is the truth where does this come from and um i remember one day a friend just turning to me and she's like well you know there was a genocide against women across Europe. And I was like, no, <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about. And well, she was like, well, you know, the witch trials, and I kind of heard about the witch trials, but never like as a big deal. It was never like a, a big, like part of my, my schooling or it was not a big part of my awareness. And that also just like kickstarted this huge, like my whole love of research, just like I couldn't get enough. I was just, on my own just like passionately <laughs> trying to find as much as I could and the more I went the more I was like wow it's like it's so clearly like still this fringe like thing like it's 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 like there's so much misinformation and it's so hard to find like 
um, I guess, credible sources or what is the truth. But it just, again, set me on that whole path of like um, discovery and self-exploration. And it just made more and more sense. I was like, wow, this is like um, between women. I, I also at that time began like sharing just a weekly women's circle. Um, I'd, I'd been fortunate enough to go to Burning Man Festival while I was there and um, kind of on my own just wandered into this um, Earth Lodge women's um, tent and I was just it was like a, a whole like um, awakening in itself just dropping into that space um, I had never heard really of a women's circle before and um, the the woman leading it um, this uh just like this kind of otherworldly sort of priestess like woman um and i we just dropped in and shared like our stories and i never it was that awakening of like wow like where do we have the opportunity to share this like deep raw vulnerable um truth at the time like um six seven years ago it was like not i think as popular as it was today or at least in my field of awareness i wasn't aware of these spaces um I, of course they've been going on for for millennia but um the the woman she held me back afterwards and after she heard me sort of sharing my own sort of um stories with self-discovery with sexuality and my cycles and and so on she kind of spoke to me afterwards like um she looked me in the eye and was like i called you here like you answered my call you're meant to do this work <laughs> and i remember kind of freaking out because it i she felt like so out there um some of the stuff she'd been talking about, I was like, wow, I'm not quite there yet. But I felt so seen by her. Um, I, I just remember bursting into tears and it did like um, really push me into that direction. As soon as I got back to Vancouver, I began a weekly circle and I noticed how within the yoga community back then, there wasn't this kind of, we were all doing this self work, but we weren't coming together um, at that time. Um, coming into circle so it was still kind of a new thing back then but I just decided I'm just going to show up every week and be in this space of self-discovery and just um, share that with other women and that just again set this on this path of like integrating all these things that I was learning so I'd be sharing all the all the sort of um, the wisdom and the history and the, the culture the stuff that I was discovering and then also exploring ourselves and really creating, learning what it meant to create a safe space for us to be um, vulnerable and to share our truth. And I could see this pattern again and again of, wow, we all have like very similar insecurities and fears around our voice, about being seen, or all those things. And it just started to make sense when, I, when you see this attack on women um, that we can like, at least, um, you know, by evidence see that really began across Europe is, um, the, this attack on the, on women on the feminine and um, it was just kind of annoyed if I had been taught school I would have understood myself as a woman so much more um, but I didn't even know this part of history I just you know it felt like the way we're taught is that um, just now we're discovering that men and women can be equal and in the past men have always been dominant and this is like so pervasive this story that it's like shows up everywhere and it feels like we're fighting for like this equality um, for the first time. But actually, if you go, if you do some detective work, um, you can really begin to see that there's so much more to our story. Um, 
and yeah so that really began and I, I came, the, the name Sacred Female Space first came to me. That was kind of just the women's circles and learning what it was. It felt like such foreign words for me to use sacred and, um, and also just to really own being female, I guess, because I had always been, um, when I was young, young, sort of referenced as a tomboy. I loved to climb trees and run around and I had a lot of male friends. I had some really... Um, great female friends as well but I maybe connected more to that just being kind of outdoors and adventure um which I don't think is masculine but at the time that's kind of how it was referenced it was me also just discovering what it means to be a woman and very much um at the beginning I was like it was all still new and um but the research side was just kind of a passion personal passion project but bit by bit I um, was sharing more and then I'd get invited to like speak more about it and um, it just kind of built and I um, also around that time began this apprenticeship with um, the medicine wheel or the wheel of life which can really be found across um, indigenous cultures and ancestral traditions around the world this way of just moving with cycles of the seasons and the moon cycles and um, the sort of phases of our lifetime and um, I did a whole year sort of following that um, following that wheel of life and that also became, became more and more integrated in what I was learning and what I was sharing and speaking and I just started building up I guess more confidence to do workshops or um, immersions and um, it's kind of a whole <laughs> whole story of how I ended up in Costa Rica but I when I was there, I really um, also just was still carrying women's circles every week. And, um, but it was when I landed in Costa Rica that I, I was like, okay, I just want to do more and more of this research. And um, I could see the power of integrating this with all the other sort of beautiful practices I was learning and, and sharing. But I, um, I decided I, I wanted to do this year-long commitment to, to the research side and just gather as much... Um, as I could um, about sort of women's stories across the world historically. And um, I developed like, I developed like this small group. It was like, um, I think six women and we, um, they all signed up for the year. And it was like me just having this great accountability to share what I was learning. Cause at that point I was also beginning to build up so much personal research um, and notes and writings and, and articles and, um, all these things that I felt maybe like I had too much information. I didn't know, like I needed to start sharing it more and more. So that was a really beautiful thing that I was able to do. Um, just have this year long um, group together to discover. And it felt like we were just scratching the surface, like throughout the whole entire year. It was so much to take in. But anyway, long story um, cut shorter that's like halfway through is when saucy gathering sort of arrived as a fully formed idea because um, it was starting to intersect the history was starting to intersect with present day culture I realized like I grew up really thinking that like Mayan people were like an extinct people like um, and then I started to realize no there's Mayan people who are still here today and these traditions are so much to still learn from indigenous people who are alive today, who are like our strongest thread connection to our, our past. They're holding this deeper feminine um, wisdom and experience. 
and it was actually I'd already been living in Costa Rica but I went for a short trip back to um, Vancouver and I remember it was exactly on the summer solstice I was in my friend's tent in her garden and just the name saucy gathering just came through and I was like whoa saucy gathering and it felt like me bringing together all the things that I loved I was like okay what what how would it look like if I could just do this research and go to the countries where we could learn from the medicine women and um, begin this documentary project because that was very much um, a thing I fell in love with Um, when I was back in London I was like really wanting to figure out how to make my own um, do my own documentary work and then um, the sort of festival idea or gathering idea it was definitely inspired by just from afar seeing spirit weavers and just thinking wow what would that look like if we went to a different country each time and invited the medicine woman in that area and it felt like this crazy um concept of so many things coming together but I just at that time was like why I'm just going to go for it and see if it happens and as soon as the name came through soul seat gathering and this concept, okay, we're going to a new place each time. We're going to be doing research, documentary work and bringing together a gathering of women and just like flowed. Like it was just magic. I can only describe it as like pure flow because everything just started coming through um, with so much ease. And especially that first one, just like the run up to it, it was just like um, something that was meant to be like, it came through me and I was just like, um, trying to keep up with it nearly like okay I just have to show up each day and ask what does it want me to do this project and um, yeah it was amazing we just we kind of with the first few tickets that were um, and this because I really like hadn't like not much money coming through at the time so the first few tickets that were um, that were purchased gave us enough money to kind of go and do a research trip um, a few months before the gathering and um we just decided to i went with one friend who's a videographer and we we just decided to hold this intention inside of us to meet the medicine woman um a medicine woman um, but we didn't talk about it we just decided to go and sit with women weaving and ask their stories and i think it was the third day we sat with this beautiful weaver michaela and she was like ah you i think you i think you would really love to meet my sister she's a she's a shaman she's a female shaman um I think you'd love to speak with her and so that was just again there was so much magic to that um experience we had it took very little effort um there was definitely a lot of like lessons like continually like this whole thing is like have to learn so much all the time um and it's it's beautiful it's like so many things that make you kind of grow up and mature and, and see things more clearly. But that whole initial start to the project was just like, wow, magic. And very little, like, I guess, um, F, like, I mean, I was just sharing every day, but it wasn't like a huge master plan for marketing or anything like that. And just, um, yeah, somehow we got the word out. And I think there was a lot of just the strength of the, the intention and maybe something like bringing all this together it was just sparking a lot of excitement in women um hearing about it and so it started really this word of mouth um thing where we had close to 50 women all together in in guatemala and maria and michaela they came and joined us as well on our i think third day and it was actually with that first interview with 
um, Maria as well. I found out I had just um, become pregnant like just the week before, which was just like so surreal because that is um, a deep wisdom to the to the medicine um, women in Guatemala. They're like often midwives also, or they have different um, Maria's like her thing is the fire ceremony. But um, they have this, like, a lot of people talk about how, you know, you, the women there, like, as soon as you've conceived, they know basically that you're pregnant and they can, um, they can, they can tell and they just have this very strong, um, yeah, um, sort of ancestral tradition still there. And it's always interesting when you travel to different places because Christianity has traveled so far. So there's a lot of places where you, it, it can feel at first that the, um, I guess the deeper tradition is maybe lost, but then just underneath the surface, there's these wisdom keepers. And that's also something that was pretty interesting with my, my grandma. I spent some time with her right before she died in, in Germany. And it was just so unlike her. It just didn't, I didn't see it coming, but she, she shared with me that everywhere she had traveled in the world, she'd like, sort out the medicine woman in each village she said there's a medicine woman in every village and I was like wow what do you I just I uh, at the time was like I, I I just don't even hear about these female elders or these women so it was pretty interesting um because that came from her and I think that definitely that planted on the initial seeds in me as well to do this to do this work wow yeah that's so interesting that you that you found that out too and that you know, maybe like you're just continuing some sort of seed that was planted in her, you know? Totally. Um, it's, I mean, it's only in retrospect that you see all those seeds that are planted and like the because at first, like for a long time, I felt like my journey was a little bit all over the place. I couldn't tell where I was going. Um, and that's something I love to talk about now for other women trying to find or men trying to find their thing. I think my greatest gift was like, creating a bit of space around that journey of just being like exploring and staying curious because I think there's a lot of pressure to figure out our thing um pretty early on and so yeah it's it's beautiful because to to really do this work and more and more I've just like built up the confidence to like okay now this is like huge like this is a big project like we really do need to reclaim so much of our history that was not taught to us and it's still just not shown in mainstream media like if you go on discovery channel or history channel or all of those things you say like i at least i like haven't been able to see or find any of that um deeper female experience and then with indigenous groups today there's just so much attack on indigenous ways of life and um and so it's really important that we sort of remember and we sort of reclaim some of this um this work and i i, I since i began i've seen this whole like awakening of divine feminine sort of spirituality and it's like so exciting and, and beautiful and now i feel like just the urge to just keep going keep going like integrate this like ground this into like um into make this research and and work really um, accepted in mainstream culture as well. So the more people that have access to it and more young girls and young boys can see that there's different, um, different aspects of humanity. And it's not such this like, um, 
demoralizing like prospect that we are just going to <laughs> self-destruct because we're on this big civilization progress and progression and um i think there's a big um prejudice that like indigenous people are just a part of our past and they're primitive and they're developing and they're lesser than and they're like wanting to become like us and it's like so far from the truth and there's so much we have to learn from them and that's like the interesting part now because we're just um we're just now in the process of becoming a non-profit and i resisted that for so long because when i was in london i also had some experiences with different non-profits and i also um studied a bit of it in in development i just saw so many issues and i also um it uh, it's nearly like we feel like good by giving to people who we think are like poorer or, or I don't know uh, this whole like language around sort of third world and we're first world and so on but the work that the people the women that we've been able to sit with and the people we've been able to meet it's like no they they don't necessarily want to become like us they, they're interested in learning about us but we have so much to learn from them and to be reminded of and um this is a big part of my message as well i think to just um awaken and i i realized like i have a bigger responsibility with the gatherings in future um is to really like guide everyone and myself included like on a preparation journey each time before we go because we really have to undress so much of our um conditioning to arrive and really experience what we are there to experience i realized with the last um gathering we had in colombia that like oh wow like it's so easy to just have like these expectations i think of like a performance or a like a i don't know like a school presentation or like a um a i don't know but, and can just be expecting something and, and miss what's really there and that's something i really noticed and really want to make sure in future that we're like um all present to the real power that these women hold um which again like i shared with the in the at that first indigenous international indigenous gathering i went to um it was kind of easy to miss the the women who are who are doing this deep work and um yeah i can just yeah i've just learned so much and experienced so much from these elders and these women that i i want to bring more women into that as well and and men as well like now i feel i've also um understood myself better as a woman i feel we're able to do more i'm able to hold space as well more for men again and invite them in at different experiences at different times because there are so many men who are also interested and who are um so beautiful but we i think coming together as women is still such a unique thing um we're still learning who we are outside of the dominant like patriarchal system so we still need to do that um have those experiences and in-person experiences are like the ones you can't nothing beats it however magical online um connections can be however much we can um kind of connect we these in person spaces are still like powerful so it's so worth it however <laughs> oh, the challenging it can be to go to a different country each time to create a gathering and um there's so many different moving pieces but the power that is there when we arrive is like wow 
phenomenal. And um, just since the beginning, it was the difficult side of this work has been like um, stuff I didn't even imagine, like just saying it's a women's gathering has been, um, been difficult because there's just always um, this nearly like I, I have to hold this very strong container and these boundaries like um, and this is really anyone who um, you know defines himself as as um, female or a woman but um, this sort of I guess resistance within different spaces for just women to gather is also being interesting and um, that was also some of the hard lessons I had in, in Colombia a year ago because um, it, like the research all on the run-up to that event um, with the Kogi um, in particular was just mainly all I could find was about the, the men and um, the male mammals. And this is something you can often, this is like the gaps we're trying to fill um, with research because many times maybe anthropologists have been men or they've come with certain biases or prejudice and they've not been fully let into the female world or the female way of life in that community. So there's still a lack of information. And on the run-up, I kept being told, you need to meet the, the male mammals, the, the male shamans, because they're the powerful ones in, in Colombia. And I was like, I just kept hearing it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to go and meet them. And then I just had to come back to the no this is just women I'm just focusing on the women and there's already so much that we're doing so it's okay if the women are you know not the powerful ones but I'll, I'll just invite the women to the gathering but that I didn't realize how like political and how um how much that's still changing the fabric of the place because the men are the ones who are used to being invited and so to invite just women I didn't um yeah, realize also how um, maybe new that is still. And that's something we have to be super aware of wherever we're going as well. It's just the, the balance within each culture and community and um, the way things have been through the spread of colonization um, is it's just masculine dominated all, all over like the world. And just to find those deeper currents of, the feminine and the female leaders we sometimes have to um yeah just keep looking and searching but yeah <laughs> mm, well yeah that's so interesting yeah as you were speaking I was wondering um yeah how do you make those um connections to specific women within the area um is that just through your research too that you kind of discover different um areas yeah I'd love to know like how you yeah, plant those seeds to get specific um, women that you know of from the area invited or is it just kind of, yeah, word of mouth and that sort of process? Because I'm sure it's, yeah, to just go to a place um, from research and then, you know, still have to make those tangible connections would be a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a process. Totally. It's, well, we're still learning. It's like uh, one thing I knew from the beginning was like, wow, we, we just need to have, connections with women who are already um like bridges within those countries or like maybe western women or um women who've been working with those indigenous um women for a longer time because um i noticed when i was first in guatemala before this project began um there was sometimes this like 
people would arrive and be like, I want, you know, the real experience. I want to go and um, meet like the indigenous or the, the leaders. And it kind of, um, I remember thinking back then, like, wow, well, they might not always want to meet us. <laughs> they might just want to be like in their own world. So it's, it's always like a delicate dance because we never want to impose ourselves. We don't want to, um, I don't know, push anything through. And then to find, yeah, the, I guess, true people. There's, again, I think there's been magic guiding us. There's just this beautiful energy flowing through. Like, as I shared in Guatemala, it was like, very organic and natural we just met maria and and she did like um we told her about the gathering that we were doing in a few months time and she um was like okay i'm gonna share this blessing within um the ceremony and then um we invited them her and michaela her sister to join and so that happened very naturally and that was interesting because i um it was all it's all been an experiment so that was just by just by kind of following intuition and instinct and sitting with different um, local people and sort of being guided um, to her and I also on that same trip met up with several NGOs um, working with um, Mayan people in Guatemala and that was interesting and it um, like I we went up into the highlands and um, met this um, pretty like rural group but they were highly influenced by Christianity and there was also a very interesting um, dynamic with the NGO like I could see this like um, imbalance of um, it just didn't feel very natural and it felt um, like I guess the they were looking at us already as like people who could maybe save them or give them money or it just didn't feel like an like an equal space and I think this whole I'm very much drawn to those like equal exchanges where we want to learn from one another um so we kind of stuck with the the, the women that we had just met organically and um and and then we had also like weaving workshops and so on which we did organize through um some different NGOs so that was that was kind of the first time and that was like that experiment and then in Colombia it um just for very much following like invitations and signs, we got invited to um, Hitana del Mar. And then um, it was through speaking to Nina, the owner, that she had all these connections in the area. And um, so grateful to have met Gabriela del Mar, who, who's now part of our team and who um, works with us, um, because she is like exactly that, um, that bridge. She lives in um, Minca in the Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta and um, has these long-term relationships with um, like Haba Teresa and Melena who joined us in Colombia. And, um, and then also Nina um, had invited um, some YU women who I was extremely um, excited to meet as well because they're like known as a more sort of matriarchal society. The women are the, the main sort of um, earners and they pass land and, then like last name to their to their children so it's through the mother line and it was interesting again to see um how that sort of evolved and and then very much open to invitations and and hearing different things so we have like different invitations um and maybe just um suggestions to like meet different um medicine women it's, it's very much again i think from instinct i think i learned that like um 
it's worth me like I think slowing down a little bit I was like kind of going quite fast um onto the next gathering onto the next experience and I would like to um yeah just I have to integrate all the lessons from each time because there's so much um from each process and um I think I'll continue not ever being just one way but um finding those key bridges those key women who are living in each area that also helps us keep long-term relationships and connections alive um and so because we can go from um, move to a different country each time but it's really important for us to like hold connections to each of the women that we've been working with um so yeah it's it's definitely an interesting we're still learning um but i i have a i think a strong feeling when i'm with the women who are the ones i want to like like learn from or sit with and um and who are maybe holding that um like deeper connection to um their their own tradition their own sort of um ancestral tradition and you feel that like power when when you're sitting with those men or women that just holding this like um through line throughout um throughout time it's like uh it's a different kind of feeling to maybe someone who's also rediscovering their roots because that also can happen and um i met a really beautiful young man in in guatemala also who was kind of interestingly like rediscovering his mayan traditions and roots through western people um and that was interesting and and, and also beautiful he was like um grateful but you know that was like more of a broken and coming back um as we are kind of met most of us coming back to like our own sort of looking at our ancestral traditions and yeah i i i would love to hear your um thoughts or considerations on i guess um the whole concept of cultural appropriation and maybe your like specific experience with it in i mean i guess when you put out invitations to different um women in these areas they obviously have the choice to accept or decline and you know i would love to hear i guess firstly your experience in them um coming to the gatherings and um sharing certain things or whether you think that you know maybe still some things are um held back or um you know just the the different energies that can like yeah what they feel to share and what they feel not to and and then maybe also just um yeah as deep or as not not deep as you feel to go about it but i just find it yeah a very interesting um dance um yeah in this sort of time where people are uh, i guess yeah as you say waking up to um the power of indigenous ways and especially for people who haven't grown up in that can kind of as you said like earlier on um maybe put some of them on on a pedestal or like really you know glorify those ways and really want to take them on and um you know obviously feel a sense of of connection and home with them and you know how to kind of marry that with being respectful to the people who have bloodlines in in those places and you know and not kind of just um taking those on, you know, just um, for your own personal sake, you know? So yeah, if you, you could speak to that in any, in any way. Totally. It's a big, it's like such an important topic and it's also so deep. And I think um, 
God, it, there's like so much to say about it. There's, and I've been, I've uh, had to through this work um, and just naturally just like had to do so much self-work and self-inquiry and, and looking at like, um, yeah, what, what it is. Uh, I think at the very, um, very simple, just to like strip it all, all those sort of um, heat around it. It's just, um, I guess, showing up and just being open to learning from people um and that's like the purest like thing and coming and also sharing who who i am and who we are and um i think yeah never imposing or never um yeah it's always a, it always has to be um like a feeling balance of a give and a take and that's i think maybe where it can go wrong is where we're just trying to take and extract and um um i don't know there's a lot there's a lot of strange things going on in 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 spirituality and just well across the world with these like power dynamics it, there is a lot of i think imbalance and there's been a lot of painful situations and a lot of um yeah really we can really um we can really tread wrongly and it's not about treading perfectly i think it's just being super open to always learning and um and hearing and just um yeah just looking at ourselves and and how we show up and again what we're expecting and perhaps undressing a lot of that is kind of what i shared i think with the preparation journey i think it's really it's that and it's never um yeah i've even seen like some people who have like all the right language and all the politically correct way like way of speaking who can still sometimes do a lot of damage through their actions because it's like unconscious and it's like unaware of um yeah w what is happening so there's just a lot of i think self-work that we have to do and that's like a really important part of our project now is like talking about that and guiding that and just staying alive in it myself um it's so important and i think what we're doing is kind of going to to the source so going to these women i think um a lot of culture like fashion i was kind of i think earlier in my teenage years and my 20 early 20 i was like kind of attracted to that kind of um you know even the words like ethnic or boho i just this kind of gypsy or i don't know these kind of this fashion because i think something in me was like excited by um patterns and um there was something there that was like um i think that's what we are being attracted to and i think even in my early um festival days i wore a headdress like totally unconscious of like what that means for like native american people um again because i grew up in europe it was less um i guess i, I didn't grow up with that direct awareness or knowledge of indigenous people and like um how damaging it is to kind of just take those pieces for fashion or just like um fun when it's like such an important part of their way of life and they um have been like you know attacked and suppressed now for so so many generations so it's a painful thing to see like your your garments being worn in that way and then just not even being appreciated so 
I definitely have made like so many of those um, like um, mistakes or without just totally unconscious things that were just like kind of normalized within my own upbringing or just the people I was around just just never even considered that this was like um, how damaging these sort of actions were um, but then since traveling and, and meeting more people and just learning more and more it's like um, I think sometimes there's so much fear around doing the wrong thing that we can actually be completely ignoring the actual people who I think the very simple thing again when we go is like um, it's it's never like demanded or imposed it's very much a question like would you want to come and join us and would you be interested in this um, exchange and those are the the women that we end up um, working with or sitting with and and have the incredible privilege of learning from but they're also interested in learning from us so um it's it's interesting and there's so much again that we have to just take in when we go to each place like so much of our project i think has been focusing on the celebration and the real beauty of these traditions and cultures because um i noticed through on my own trajectory when i was working with the in um in documentary and i was learning all these horrific things i realized people don't really want to know and i could see other friends who were going deep into activism and um fighting for things but there was just like such a deep pain um because people are kind of already burdened by their own um <laughs> their own stuff in life so to talk about like sometimes we shut down when we hear bad news or we hear um horrific things because it's it's hard to take in. And so it's been an interesting line to walk as well with this project where I know we're not turning away from the, the real hard things that are happening, the real attack on these ways of life um, and the environment, but somehow like holding that and like still celebrating the beauty and the wisdom that they're, that's not like idealistic or romanticized or like, um, I guess all those criticisms that can come through, but it's like, no, what is, what is here to learn? Like what is the real, um, the wisdom, like let's not turn our like backs on the, the like deep, like beautiful, um, yeah. Teachings of these, of these, um, people and, and also remembering, I think our own ancestral traditions, because we all come from, um, indigenous people and, in something that like many of us across Europe and Australia and North America, like we're cut off from um, that, that through line. So it's also coming back to ourselves and um, yeah, I think just staying really, um, really again, conscious of the way we're walking and sensing maybe when we're um, trying to take too much this i mean to give an exact like a clear example is like in colombia we had um like this beautiful i so i had done, like prepared with all this research and da, da 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 and like when i arrived and i as soon as i sat with Haba teresa who's an um a kogi elder she i, I was just like wow i know nothing i'm just going to be humbled in this um journey and just be like learning so much just by in her presence and through the sort of quieter power and strengths of indigenous um, women in particular, there's a lot of, I think, silence and sitting and um, weaving has been this really beautiful um, tool to kind of 
just have something very like tangible that we're doing, but we're able to soak in um, one another's company and ask questions and just be in that um, space of learning. And then we also like just been learning so much about what weaving even means and just how it is this deeper meditation and this weaving of community and ancestral tradition and, and has so much power in itself. But um, I was like kind of just in awe. I was like learning so much from Habba Teresa and her daughter Milena in, in Colombia, just their way of being and this kind of strength of and boundaries and like um, very clear sense of self and just these things I think we're all we're, a lot of um, us in the sort of field of women's empowerment and spirituality are like trying to find and reclaim and remember but these women already like had it and I was like kind of just in awe and also just learning so much through the subtle space of just feeling and um, intuiting and some, like sometimes I would have a question that come up in my mind and just by sitting there um, like the answer would arise and it's just again things you can easily miss if you're expecting something else but on the last circle we had um, we were able to give our feedback or um, ask any questions um, of the women before they left us and um, like two of the women expressed that they they had been expecting more and I, I was like kind of in shock um, kind of a mixture of anger and sadness when I hear those exact words because it sounds like a colonizer just wanting more and it's like what more do you want from like being in the presence of um these women and sitting there you know we, there was so much opportunity I think to learn and to ask questions and so on throughout that space um and I, maybe the expectation was more of a presentation or um a performance or um so on and it was a really beautiful teaching moment because Hava, Teresa and Milena, they just so gracefully kind of stood up. And I think the question was also like, can you tell us some of your myths or can you tell us some of your wisdom? And I think they were very much like, you know, you have to gain a deeper sense of trust. We don't just give our stories away like that. And um, even for us, like recording their interviews, we have to go back because they have to do a longer kind of process of spiritual like asking permission for their ancestors and their um their elders again um so that was kind of like you know we have to be careful what we're like expecting and asking for right away and um but it was beautiful because they stood up and they were like oh well if you want more here is um mamo augustine the male shaman and he's just been waiting um in the background he'd been trying to kind of I mean, he'd kind of shown up at the gathering and it was just an interesting thing for me because I was like, wow, I just asked for only women and it doesn't seem like a big thing. But um, anyway, his presence was there and Habba Teresa Milena left and I went with them because I was, um, as, the, as the sort of guide of the whole gathering, was like, went to go and say goodbye and do a closing ceremony just with them one-on-one um, -on -one and... Um, but some of the women shared with me after like I left that like, um, you know, the male shaman arrived and kind of gave the whole presentation and performance and kind of mansplained the female experience. Um, and it's just interesting because I think that's maybe what some of the women were really asking for and it's what they were looking for. So it's what, so it's what they received. Um, but it just felt like maybe like being 
robbed again of the more subtle experiences we just had it it was just an interesting process like wow did did they just miss everything that just happened because i felt like i had the most powerful transformation being in the presence of these women and um just interesting because again um yeah it's the sort of cultural appropriation the history of colonization the way we've been brought up the way we've been um perceived we have to do so much to um not see these people as lesser than and that was also something that happened um with a woman afterwards she she tried to create a whole sort of i guess fundraising um of for the for the kogi people and like kind of was like you know these poor people look at the way they live da 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 and like um she had to be asked to take that down because for them that's like one of the most disrespectful thing they don't want to be seen as a charity case um of course they might have needs and there's ways we can work together and um fund different projects like we really want to help fund this cultural center for them to educate their own education system rather than our western imposed system this can also be the problem with i think or the ways it gets complicated when we think of giving back we can impose our edu- like our education system and our way of doing things and um yeah so it's like wow i mean i could keep going because it's like a huge topic and it is really important to speak about um but i think the most important thing is to not turn our backs from it and just keep learning and we'll keep making mistakes but just to keep having the conversation um with it yeah yeah well <laughs> Yeah, I'm so happy that you spoke to that too because, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree that there needs to be a, a an evolution even within like the NGO sort of sphere and I hadn't really thought about that before. But, yeah, so now you are um, creating Soul Seed as um, an NGO or like are applying to do that too. Do you intend to kind of, yeah, like um, create a different structure around it and like how it, how it works yeah it was like I, from the beginning I think it was my little idealistic vision to like um the gatherings to be like for profit um but the profit would all fund the research and the documentary side um but um yeah quite honestly it's like been pretty much breaking even each time like it has not been a, a money maker um because we also want to do so much within each gathering and, and have different sort of um, speakers and different um, things to learn. So um, we've been trying to figure it out as an entire project because there's, I'd say, still like 90% of the work that we've done has not been seen by most people, like the research and the documentary um, work that has been initiated. And so we've just been trying to figure that out um, financially. And I started um, actually getting um, kind of, um, I guess, requests. I'm not sure if requests, but like just the communication that like, by the way, like we'd like to support financially or there's bigger money that wants to come in. And um, I think it's just at the very simple level, like being a nonprofit in America allows us to, um offer like tax reductible um donations so for people who want to give a larger sum um they can do it um tax deductible so that's really been the main reason for going like the non-profit route because i was kind of happy to stay um i had this whole um 
concept of profit for purpose and really directing any money that we made back into the research and the documentary side but to invite more money in and to now kind of open up the project um which we're doing working like online to build um because that was something like very much at the beginning as i was beginning this work um or just this personal research i was like ah, i can't find anywhere online where i can just find like one trusted source or one place which encompasses all of um the deeper feminine wisdom and history and culture so i was like i'm going to do that i'm going to create this library and um i kind of thought i would do that like pretty early on like just begin it but i realized it's like a whole um it's a lot of work as well just to kind of also keep up with all the like referencing and citations and like things that i really believe is so important because as like this age of information we can just i don't know begin sharing so much and forget where things are from and it's really important that we kind of be the change we want to see in that in that way also by just um taking out making our due diligence and there's ways i've also like realized i like shared something or like put something out there and realize oh that wasn't like cited or that wasn't like i didn't share where that was from i didn't like i was a little bit sloppy with my own sort of research side and that's where the academic feel can like really respect that whole process of really taking that time to honor all those people who've done the work before you so yeah the so we're like, we're just coming to that time now where i really want to bring all the stuff that i've gathered and we've worked on so far online and we're building this online interactive map and um so we can really visually see all of our like cultural traditions across the world and then this membership house because that was also a request by um Hada Teresa and Milena in, in Colombia was like you know they they have a message they want to share with women across the world they really we keep hearing this message from indigenous women that we work with that this is really the time they've been maybe in hiding or protecting or um yeah not really feeling the need to share with us I know but things are changing so quickly and a lot of their younger generation is interested in our way of life because they watch our films or tv or so on um so they really do sense this urgency and also like the way we're distracting the world like we need this like collective awakening we need to just keep going with them um, yeah showing up in our own way um but they also feared being just online on the internet they don't really want to be like public and it's for them also they don't want to be um I don't know found to be selling their wisdom or um kind of attacked by other members of their of their tribe and also they sense jealousy from sometimes the male leaders um so anyway we're creating this private members space just for the, for that really and also to have the conversation and to really share um um research between us and have um women involved and women who are ambassadors women who just want to carry this wisdom and um be a voice for soulseed because it isn't um i think this becoming a non-profit as well has been a beautiful journey for me of like separating soulseed soulseed gathering from me it was like my baby for so long and i was just kind of really doing it all myself which is kind of crazy in retrospect i mean i was always working and bringing in different women but never having like you know a clear like team it was just kind of me going with the flow and just kind of working with who, who showed up when and now it's like the whole um beautiful journey of creating 
structure and form of like an organization and the way we can just flow forwards with um, kind of clarity and um, systems in place that actually like allow freedom to just keep um, doing things in the, like in the best way possible forward. So yeah, this whole pro process of becoming a nonprofit is also, I think an anchor into like, um, I'm like, for sure, like as a child, I was so dreamy. And so I can go off into my vision space so easily um, to make it more tangible and more like grounded and stand up now and be like, yeah, this is actually, this is for the last few years been an experiment, but now I know what it is. I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm looking for to bring in. I know like, and there's still going to be so much to learn as we go, but it's become more, I guess, solid and grounded in its, in it, in what it is. And now being able to attract funding is like, uh, such a dream because it will allow a whole different freedom of not needing to like um I guess be on the hamster wheel of like okay I need to do this now to do this to do this to do this but to be maybe more intentional and more um being able to plan and like bring more um women like um Gabriela Delmar who we met in Colombia she's now been doing um initiating research work in Peru so we're able to like also start to branch out and Go Go Chule, who joined us in our first gathering, she's like um, beginning to help, like with the sort of African um, spirituality and looking at the medicine and traditions um, across Africa. And so we're able to also, yeah, again, bring it out so it's not just me. And I'm also <laughs> not the only one, like, kind of um, holding back because I also, I think, like you, when you said about being organic with the podcast and just like, taking your time like that's like for me always been my way as well like I don't want any like pressure or restriction or like uh, force any kind of schedule which makes me feel stressed or anything that's like trying to keep up with um but now I'm, I'm shifting also to see the beauty in in working with other women and really building a team and it's been really the hardest part actually it's like learning that those skill set of um having an organization um and having to maybe also wear more hats of like um being the director of the ship and like um guiding it and um so yeah but the the real i think i think basic need for being a non-profit is just like okay allowing people to give a larger donation if they wish to or to become a patron and also to to apply for grants and so on but it's very important for me that we stay in this um I guess never in this sense. I, I heard. I wish I could remember his name, but I heard someone really speak about it really well because he said there's a whole problem with the the nonprofit um, sector is that we are kind of trying to um, we we feel really good about maybe volunteering or giving money or um, but we're not actually questioning the whole entire system that is creating that imbalance in the first place. We're just like I don't know sprinkling a little bit on top of the wound rather than like um really digging deeper and going into like wait there how how am i perpetuating this problem that's creating this imbalance so this is kind of the big questions that we want to bring with this research and work as well as like how does it look to walk differently in the world to restructure ourselves to be we need like desperately different systems different political systems different ways of um operating outside of like 
what does capitalism look in a more conscious way where it's not like just robbing the earth or destructing um, anything in its sight for profit only. So it's these, these teachings and these lessons that we want to integrate as well and really bring into all um, yeah, spheres of life. So the nonprofit, I think, will give us freedom in that way now, um, as long as we stay clear that we're not giving back. We're just in, we're just in this process of working with women and working with one another um, to bring this knowledge together. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. And it just seems like um, it's so important, the work that you're doing, because it's like the feminine perspective is needed in this, you know, in this time of revolution and um, nothing is going to be like, uh, I guess, realised until like the the feminine voices listen to, you know, uh, I don't think it can really like come from the traditionally masculine mind, even within like, yeah, those sort of sectors. So I think I, and I feel like your, yeah, your project is so poignant and (laughs) I love, like, I love the idea of having, um, yeah, what you're creating, having an online hub where people, um, can come and know that like the sources are reputable and you know like obviously you're coming from a really good space with it and um and also yeah i agree with um having it you know being a bit more contained so that people have to really invest and um maintain like the integrity of the space too if they want to come into it but yeah, I think I just love that idea so much. And I, of course, would love to <laughs> join and, um, yeah, experience it and, um, yeah, be a part of it in any way. It sounds, I just, yeah, I was reflecting on, um, like, just similar visions that, yeah, I feel like so many other um, women I come across, uh, like, feeling these similar feelings, you know, obviously with different, like, um, seeds that they're planting but there is like a a kind of um a knowingness that's coming through a lot of women that you know these are the 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 ways that need to be remembered again and um yeah I it's so beautiful that this is your life's work and and you know you're doing so much um behind the scenes work too you know like within your research and that just fascinates me so much the just yeah the depth of exploration that you've been through or you know you I'm sure you're still only scratching the surface even in years of research but it's just yeah it's so fascinating and yeah it's been really inspiring to like dive into your your well bit because I never really had that much um you know I knew I knew and had like you know watched the videos and and heard the mission and everything about soul seed but I I didn't know the depth of you know, your research and your, your life's work, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's just all like reaffirmed, um, the beautiful energy that I feel like when I, when I, uh, heard about soul seed and everything, but yeah, mm, I, <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> for you though. I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. It was, it was amazing when you, when you reached out and thank you so much for like inviting me on because it, it was like, you heard the, the silent call that I was like, okay, I'm just now ready to also speak more about everything that we're doing. And I think I've just also had to do so much self work to, to really um, be confident to speak about everything because um, while within spirituality or the female empowerment like space, it 
feel so much confidence because there's so many like-minded women and I think it's so exciting and we just have to keep going because it's like sometimes it can like when you're in that world you're like oh things are great we're all we're all awakening that it's all happening da, 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 and then back out in the rest of the world you're like what is going on it just this yeah it feels like so much other stuff happening but um to i think for to ground it all the way into i guess the academic world and into um into the mainstream or whatever it's like really making it anchored and stronger because early on in my journey I was like like so excited by the research and just the own work that I was doing and um my mom actually she was like have you seen this like book and it was I think it had like this huge like like eight page review or something in the New York Times and it was this um academic called Cynthia Allen she was basically her whole book is like basically like calling out this whole um goddess culture and all this um stuff is like just a fantasy and like women just like feminists and women just wishing this was like a part like we had a like strength to our past and that women in leadership and so on and and it like I remember it just um one hand feeling crushed by it because I was just like oh my god this is like in the New York Times they're just saying everything I'm like learning about is um is uh like wrong or like just make believe or whatever and I just felt pretty disheartened but at the same time this fire rose up within me because like it doesn't feel true um and I I just like what is going on in academia um and it was through her book like looking online I found a critique by Max Dashu who's um who joined us in the first gathering she's like she spent like 40 years of her life basically gathering every piece of archaeological evidence of women in spheres of power and women in spirituality and women um just across history and uh, i was like so excited to find her work her website is suppressed histories um i think dot net but she wrote like a line by line critique of this woman's book um and it was through that i was like suddenly understood the whole history of academia and how we have been up against so much to even like bring um to even look at this stuff like without bias and it helped me also then begin to understand how why we're cut off from so much of this in the mainstream because um archaeological discoveries really began in the victorian era from that lens from from white um western men and already sort of set the foundation of the way we perceived these cultures they got many got labeled as like fertility cults and as soon as you hear cult you think of weird and fringe and like uh, not mainstream whereas really um so so much of this um there's a much longer um depth of like like archaeological evidence of like the goddess culture um much longer and much older than um worship of a male god that we know of that there's just purely evidence for but because we have so much of a kind of stuck belief in like the dynamics of our own society and culture that it's like um you know academics have labeled it as like oh it must have just been um like porn idols for men <laughs> and like no way could it have just been like female divinities so like that's the kind of stuff that's still like I think people are wading through within academia 
Um, it's just, and there's like incredible um, women like Maria Gambutas who did this incredible work and started to talk about women in like spheres of power, like women in spiritual leadership and across Europe and across, um, well, across the world. But like she then like, I mean, academia, like your reputation is everything. And she got kind of um, ridiculed and attacked and kind of, it just shows like back at that time, like it's amazing, like the women who like began this work um, back then, but like it nearly, um, it kind of nearly, I think, create a lot of fear around even looking at this evidence or looking at this way of different ways of life um, within those, in that world, because um, I guess no one wants to be ridiculed or made to feel like their work doesn't have meaning. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been interesting looking, like looking from the outside in and now beginning to integrate and work also with academics to kind of um, really create bridges. But that's just in case it uh, like, that's been a big part of the gap for me that helped understand like why have why is this not talked about in like mainstream culture why do we not look at this and even to start thinking like oh maybe it's not that actually that real or that um being that important but it really has and it that's it is so exciting i am so excited to speak about this and to bring it out more and for us all to just i mean keep doing the work we're here to do but have maybe a some of this evidence to stand stronger from because knowing our past, I think really does give us more hope for the future. It gives us more strength and power and, and so on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah, like you said, it also just really grounds in all of these things that we feel and see and, you know, experience within ourselves, like as women to just, yeah, to have those stories um, and have those facts too, you know, that I'm sure you've, you know, obviously gleamed through your studies and, you know, just like reaffirmed so many things that you've been feeling naturally, which, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women would doubt um, or, yeah, feel confused about um, when they are, you know, on their journey of, you know, discovering themselves more or spending more time alone with themselves or doing more of this sort of work, you know, so many things would be coming up. But I think, yeah, especially um, with the work you're doing to, eventually have it have a space there with a lot of different um just sources of information you know from their from their ancestry line and and, and other lines too for them to just have more of an understanding about you know different things that they're feeling and and the kind of thread of that <laughs> through different um cultures and um yeah and for the those all to kind of weave together and I loved that you mentioned the the weaving too and that I've found that too wherever I've I haven't traveled to so many places but wherever I've been there's always you know the women are there like making weaving you know and they're all sitting together and that's just a, a natural space and um I love that yeah. yeah that you mentioned about like so much being shared within that space like even um just silently you know but just um yeah how how poignant that is um and yeah, it's, it's especially the weaving it's so funny because I I always loved like textiles and, and sewing and so on but I kind of saw it as this like more cutesy feminine thing like not so like um it's really been yeah sitting with those women that's like no there's such a power to this it's not just this like oh like oh the cute like kind of weaving I don't know there's just so much more I guess to it that's like exciting as well because it helps awaken a whole different way of seeing 
yeah because weaving is it's like all across the world all across different ancestral threads like women coming together in this in this really powerful way and then also developing a different relation to to our clothes through that like seeing what goes into weaving um yeah it's amazing Mm. yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sure we could keep talking for so much so much longer this yeah there's so much that i would love to still like hear about from you um Mm. maybe we could do a part two or something yeah yeah i also have been like actively like reining myself in because i know when i get going i'm just like i get so excited because there's so much to talk about and so much to share but yeah i would love to do a part two sometime and love to have you as part of um salty gathering in any way that you wish to as well moving forward i was really i was really feeling that as you were speaking and i don't really know how it's going to happen but yeah we we definitely will keep um weaving and yeah I would love totally. to support the movement that you're doing in in any way too even just through yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah well it's also it can be it's the also my wish actually to come to Australia soon because I my sister moved to Byron Bay um so I would love to like yeah figure that out as well and I've always been like wow so um really touched by the whole dream time and I've read a lot as well about um Australian Aboriginal mm-hmm. people and so yeah that's a whole whole part of the world I'd love to also dive deeper and, and Bali as well like wow it's just <laughs> it's never ending yeah, yeah I'm so happy to to be able to I guess you know provide this space for you to, to share more um about your story and I hope that like anyone who's listening to this that feels some sort of call to support the work that you're doing or attend the gathering that you know they just like stay in touch and keep in contact with you and yeah if you want to share any um I don't know things that are upcoming and also just share all um of your um the ways that people can connect to you I'll share all of the like links to your website and social media and everything in the um in the bio sort of thing for this podcast but yeah if you want to share anything about yeah ways that people can support and connect to what you're doing go for it yeah for sure um well yeah we get like um like every week a message about when's the next gathering and we are still kind of building up the online space and kind of working with a lot of the sort of i guess the deeper work so um watch the space because we are working on a few things but um every last sunday of the month we have um a mini sort of gathering event in puerto viejo in costa rica so if anyone's ever coming through costa rica then we're meeting every last sunday of the month and that's a really beautiful sort of experiential event where i also share like on different topics of research and um, we come in sort of cacao ceremony and women's circle and we have like a beautiful brunch as well so that's a a monthly event we have and then yeah watch the online space we'll be coming together soon we're on soulseagathering.com and at soulseagathering and hannah ruth dyson on instagram and we're also sharing more and more um different sort of topics and and so on in on social media and it's called this campaign of there is more to our story and inviting women to share their stories and their experiences as well so that's an invitation as well to join us online in that space. Um, and yeah, um, I think that's it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just, um, I've been seeing those posts that you've been doing and yeah, I definitely recommend, um, following soul seed gathering on, on Instagram for sure, because you post really beautiful content on their mm-hmm. stories. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling so full after this conversation and just really... Yeah, I want to ask you so many questions about your work and your stuff as well, but for sure, let's let's do another catch-up sometime or something. Yeah, it feels, so, it feels very resonant with the work that, that you're doing. And I guess, yeah, still, I, I guess I'm still discovering what this project really is. I guess in, in a similar way to you, I love media and i like i really love you know the power of working with these platforms to share these stories and these messages and um yeah to like thread those um yeah thread those tapestries and all of that <laughs> um yeah, yeah all of that yeah i'm still yeah. discovering you know the i guess the bigger picture of it but it's definitely it's definitely a similar vision of um women's stories being being heard and um yeah from many different places and yeah mm, yeah cool yeah thank <laughs> you so much thank you so much for this thank you yeah